Thank you, Tim. Uh, if you find it hard to follow somebody in prayer, uh, that means your prayer muscle needs to be exercised to learn how to pray with people uh, as they pray. So we just happen to have a prayer meeting that happens tonight uh, at five o'clock, and you are more than welcome to come and learn to pray, but also to be part of the ministry of prayer for this church. And so I can, I, I highly, highly emphasize this every week, uh, every month rather, that we do this, because prayer is the heartbeat and the driving force of a church. And until we settle things with God, until we call on God, until we learn from God his will for us, then we just do things. But when we know God's will and we're following God's will and we're calling out on God and the Holy Spirit is giving us power to do what he wants, we're doing kingdom things. And there is a world of difference between things and kingdom things. Because our things last for as long as we do them or live, kingdom things last forever. And so I encourage you to come and pray with us. Uh, thank you. I, I want to honor Lester, Pastor Lester. He preached last week. He was Saturday morning. He was not preaching, didn't know he was going to be preaching, and Sunday morning found out he was going to preach, and I heard a number of people say, wow, he did a great job. I'm telling you, when Lester first came, he couldn't have done that. Yeah, let's, let's honor Lester. Uh, when he first came here, he couldn't have done that, but he has grown. Uh, he's a mature man anyway, but he has grown, and I really appreciate him and the staff. He's a great staff member. And so uh, just, just before I had to come up, it hit me. I, I, I got to go to the bathroom. And so I ran. I said to Dave, Dave, if I'm not back by the time Tim finishes praying, do something. So that's what I told, that was the, pre, that was the equipping for Dave for, in case. And so I ran out and when I ran through the door, guess who was there? Pastor Lester. And he's like, he had this look on his face. Not again. <laughs> so, uh, no, no, we're okay, Lester. I'm just going to go to the washroom and then we'll be fine. So uh, I, I kind of made me smile. And then I was come back in, I ran into Ashley um, and I said, what is going on with our sound? Like, this is bizarre. And he said, well, when Jenny got up and said, please don't videotape this, of course, we broadcast live, right? And we go on the internet. So they had to shut down all that for you. But that is, our sound system is so integrated that when you start shutting pieces down, you start having other trouble all over the place. And so that's what was going on with our sound. I thought, oh, Okay, well, that makes sense. I was, you know, I was going to make heads roll on Monday, but now I don't have to, so I feel good, and so do they. <laughs> so uh, that's what was going on there. So we're continuing in the uh, series on the Ten Commandments, and uh, because we had uh, Ron Pierce and then Lester speaking not on this, let me just give you a recap of where we are at so far in the Ten Commandments. Uh, first, the commandments... Uh, were, were uh, given, the commandments were, were there's, there's three types of law in the Old Testament. There is the ceremonial law that describes all the things that the, the priests 
and the worshipers were to do in the temple, the sacrifices, the cleansing rituals, all that. That ceremonial law has to do with the temple and the worship. Then there was the civil law. The civil law had to do with them as a nation. How were they to conduct themselves in the world in which they live, dealing with their own people, dealing with other people outside, the laws that they had for nation. And then there is the moral law, the law that comes out of God's character that this is how you are to live if you want to be a righteous person. So in Christ at the cross, cross fulfilled, Christ fulfilled the law and he, there, the, he ended Israel and started the church and he ended the temple and the sacrifice because he was the perfect sacrifice. And so the civil and ceremonial laws are no longer relevant to a, a follower of Christ. However, the moral law does not change because it comes out of the character of God. And so when God said in the Old Testament, you will not kill, it's the same in the New Testament. It's not like we can go out and kill now. Isn't that wonderful? In Christ, I can go, somebody bothers me? It's, so what, because every law that was said in the Ten Commandments is repeated and are practiced in the New Testament. Because the law of God, the Ten Commandments, is based on the character of God. What we do as righteous people. So, until you have been redeemed, if you try to keep the law, which is what most people believe, I'm just going to do my best. I'll do my best. And, you know, when I get to heaven, or I get to wherever I get after I die, then God will judge. And, you know, I've been a pretty good person. There's the biggest lack of discernment in our world. I've been a pretty good person. <laughs> that is crap. You heard it here, right from the Bible. The last thing that I have been is a pretty good person. Oh, compared to you, I might be fantastic. But God doesn't compare me to you. He compares me to righteousness and truth, and justice. Can I say I have always acted and been motivated and thought with true justice, with true righteousness, with truth and goodness? No, I don't think I can say that. And I don't think you can either. And so if you try to keep the law as your means to be approved by God and accepted and reconciled to him, it will show you, if you're serious and honest with yourself, like them prayed, I, I can't do this. I keep failing. If I try to win favor God, with God and be reconciled back to God, I, I, I'm not going to be able to do it. So it leads us to Christ. We need somebody who will stand in our place, who will pay for our sin and give us forgiveness. Jesus, the cross, that's what he did. Now, the law after the cross is, okay, now that you belong to Jesus and you have the spirit within you, I'm going to transform your life, okay? Now walk with me and let the transfer, transformation begin. Great, what do I do? Oh, the, the law. Worship me with all your heart. Don't kill, don't lie. Don't gossip. Don't envy what other people have. Whew. The difference now is I have the spirit to begin that battle in my life to follow the ways of God and I can make 
gain, and you can too. Now, I'm going to talk about the next uh, command that comes up, and this is the command that I have transgressed the most of all ten. This is the one where I have consistently for the last, what, six decades of my life, disobeyed and ignored. Not because I was rebellious against God. I'll not do this one. It's because I was still sinful. It's just I didn't really realize. It was, it, part of it was ignorance. Part of it was being shaped and molded more by the culture we live in than by the word of God. And the other was a bad interpretation of biblical texts that took me to a place where I felt I didn't have to obey this command, even though it's in the Bible. And I'm going to guess that you have done this too. That this next command, you've blown it as much as I have. So let's look at it. Exodus chapter 20. And we're starting verse 8. Here's the interesting thing about this command. It's the one God spends the most time talking about of all the commands. Do you think murder might have got a few more words than this one? Nope. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Now, holy is a word that means separate separated for a special purpose, to be used only for that purpose. So if you drive on the 404 and you're driving south and you cross over top of the 401, you'll come across some holy lanes. You know which ones they are, don't you? They're the one on the far left that when you're dead stop, Nobody is in those lanes. Except for one time, my sister-in-law, who thought, this is fantastic, everybody stopped, and I'm getting to go. I'm going to be on time. She got a ticket, because they are holy lanes, separated for use for what? (laughs) I was a lot of you got a ticket. For buses, you got to be a bus to be in that lane. It's holy. That's what holy means, set apart for specific use. God says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it set apart for a specific use. Oh, six days you'll labor and do all your work. You got six days to do whatever you think you got to do. But on the seventh day, is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Now notice what he says. The seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. The seventh day has been set apart, it's holy, by God for our activity related to him. It's his day. It's not for work, it's not for sports, it's not for, now, I just lost a few of you right there. Just, you, know, you gotta stick with me into the end here. The Sabbath is for whom? God. Doesn't mean sometimes you might not work or you might play sports. It means that first and foremost, whatever you do, 
you think, okay, this day is for God. How am I going to use it to honor God? Now, he's going to describe to us how to do that. So just hold your, you know, don't write me off. But if you're going to write me off, get out. Go on. Go. No, just kidding. <laughs> on it, you shall do no work, neither you, now, neither you nor your son, your daughter, your male, ser- male or female servant, your animals, nor your foreigner residing in your towns. Now, now, first of all, I want to talk to you about what Sabbath means. Uh, <laughs> Shabbat, Sabbath, comes from Shabbat, <laughs> another Hebrew word. And Shabbat means to cease and celebrate. Oh, cease and se- sh- Shabbat. Shabbat layers on rest. So to stop and celebrate and rest. Well, that sounds nice, doesn't it? So part of the problem with the Sabbath in our culture today, if, especially if you come out of churches from the 50s and 60s and 70s, is that there were so many rules about how you were spo- what you were and weren't supposed to do that when we finally got into the 80s, we said, well, forget this. This is stupid. That's when I came into the church in the 80s. And I was told, oh, you can't go to movies, you can't play sports. And I'm like, ooh. Forget this. And probably most of us have been there. Because our culture and our understanding of Scripture and our understanding of the Sabbath is wrong. Sabbath is meant to cease what we normally do through the week, celebrate, and rest. Okay? Now look at, on it you will not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in the towns. And what's significant about this is that typically in the world that most, we we miss this because we don't live in this kind of world where there are slaves, at least not in Canada, where there are slaves and where, they're, where the rich dominate the poor. We have laws that kind of protect. And, and then they didn't. And this was unusual for any country in the ancient Near East to have laws that protected the poor and those that were slaves or those that were servants. And so that the rich who would take their leisure would make the poor and their servants work every day, seven days a week, 365 a year. They work, 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 work. And God says, no, I'm going to embed this right into my law so that you're held accountable that the least may be cared for and they may have a time of rest, a time to stop, to celebrate, and to rest. Those that could never do it because of the oppression and domination of the rich, I'm going to make sure they do it. But everybody, including the animals, including the animals. I'm going to show you why in a second here. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and he made it holy. 
Moses' reason for the Sabbath is not you're Jewish, you're Israeli, you're now a nation of God, and so, yeah, take this day and be different from the world around you and make it rest. Moses goes back to before there was even sin in the world, and he says, because the way God made this earth, you are designed for Activity, rest. Activity, rest. Activity, rest. God did it not because he was tired. God did it because he was building it into the DNA of our world right now. Now stop and think about this. God designed creation with activity, rest. Activity, rest. Activity, rest. Each, the earth works producing crops when? Spring, summer, fall. What happens in the winter? Rests. The whole, the earth rests for months. And it goes back to the cycle. Crops are planted. They start to spring up. They grow in the summer. They're harvested in the fall. Then what? Rest. Happens every year. By design. God worked for six days and then on the seventh rested. Why? Because he needed rest? No, because he was, in, he was building into the DNA of our world for us a pattern for our well-being. Think about it. Every day you get up in the morning, what do you do? Activity at night, what do you do? Rest. Well, at least for most of you. Activity, rest. Activity, rest. Activity, rest. You've been doing it 365 days a year. Times how many years you've been alive. If you're 10 years old, you've been doing it for 3,650 times in your lifetime. This pattern. Do you know that light moves in waves? Oscillating electric and magnetic fields. Movement, rest. Movement, rest. That's how light moves. Of course, Moses didn't know that because he couldn't had no way of figuring that out. We figured it out now that we understand a little more about light. It's built. <laughs> That's how we see. Activity, rest, activity, rest, activity, rest. Remember the disco era? <laughs> Do you oh, come on. I'm not the only one that remembers the disco era. If you ever walk with the ball flashing, you walk, somebody's walking through and it looks like that. It's a manipulation of light. Anyway, I'm not going to bust any moves up here right now. Yeah. <clears throat> God built it into you and me too, into us as humans. Do you never notice that when you breathe, you breathe in, you kind of rest, and then breathe out, and then you rest? Activity? Rest. Activity? Rest. Yeah, and you're all thinking about, do I do? I, I don't know. I do. <laughs> now you're thinking about your breathing. That's what happens. You don't breathe like this normally. Because <laughs> what will happen? You drop over. You breathe in, you rest a little bit, and you breathe out. Our heartbeat, what's it do? Boom, boom. Boom, boom. Or if you need to get to the hospital. See, when your heart isn't resting, what happens? You're in trouble. Because you're... Boom, boom. Activity, rest. Activity, rest. Do you know how your brain waves work? Electrical omissions. Zap, rest. Zap, rest. Zap, rest. Zap. 
We are designed, our world is designed. We are designed. Activity, rest, activity, rest, activity, rest. And the reason Moses goes back, he's saying to them, you are designed for rest. And I'm just going to say something here. This, I, I don't have any... Uh, I don't have any uh, tests or studies that are going to support what I say, but I'm sure I could easily find them. Part of the reason you are so anxious and mental health is on the rise, mental health issues, and fear grips you, and you feel wearied in life, is because you have gone so long Ignoring Sabbath. Now, that's not the only reason, but it's a major factor in your ability to cope and to deal with the mental, emotional, physical issues that are coming into your life. You have no rest. And so you keep burning up your energy, using it constantly, never recovering. When I went to the gym, they would tell us, do not work out. When I went to the gym, yeah. When I went, for those three days, I heard them say, do not work out every day. Rest is as important to the well-being of your body as the workouts are. You don't rest, you will injure yourself. That's what I'm saying to you. Because you're not resting, you've got symptoms coming out all over the place. Part of it is your family. Do you know that if you rested with your family, as a family, if you, you just took time to cease, celebrate, and rest, that your relationships would be stronger, that you would be able to talk more about things, you wouldn't be on edge. So like, it's not just our bodies that are breaking down in our mind, it's our relationships with other people. And while Sabbath isn't the cure-all, it's a major factor in helping you deal with what you gotta deal with. And you ignore it to your own detriment. Now, as I said, I didn't practice Sabbath very regularly. I tried it a few times on and off through the years. But um, I, I kind of, I think, as I, I look back on it, I think it's because, number one, the culture we live in, doesn't, it, 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 what does it do? It promotes and celebrates what? Busyness. Because if you're busy, you're you must be important. I mean, if you've got time to rest, clearly you're not a very important person or valuable. Our, our, our ability to set boundaries and keep them is so low that we think constant activity is life. And you know, football is life. Now, only those of you who watch Ted Lasso know got that last one. Activity is not life. Activity with rest is how we be uh, healthy. And God built it right into our 
design. But see, our culture is forcing us busy, busy, do things, accomplish things because our culture's lost. And they're trying to find something that will fill this emptiness in their soul. Only God can fill. And so they, we don't rest because well, I got to do stuff because I want to be important. I want to be fulfilled. I want to find what makes me happy. And God says, you'll find it when you rest. The other thing is, uh, there was some bad teaching and misunderstanding of Scripture, the New Testament, I, I think, personally. Um, there's a couple verses that seem to suggest, oh, by the way, uh, here's a verse from Jesus. The Sabbath was not made for man. Sorry, the man was not made for Sabbath. Sabbath was made for man. God created Sabbath for us. It's a gift. It's designed to replenish us and restore us and help us with our relationships and help us with our relationship with God and with other people and to have physical and mental and emotional relief from all that hits us through the other six days. But we turn it the other way around. Well, you can't go to a restaurant on Sunday. You can't watch a movie. You can't play sports. You can't work. You can't, yeah. We make all these rules about Sabbath and it becomes about keeping rules, which is emptying of itself. When God only gives two instructions and I'll talk about those in a second. I just want to touch on this because some of you are thinking, yeah, but in the New Testament, Ed, I know my New Testament, it tells me that uh, Sabbath is done and here, one person, uh, Romans 14, Paul, one person considers one day more sacred than another, the Sabbath. Another considers every day alike. See, there's no Sabbath. Each of them should be fully convinced in his own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. And whoever eats meat does so to the Lord. So here's, he's got two issues, right? These, these Sabbath going on. Some people apparently took it and some didn't. And they were all upset with one another. And he's going, no, no, eat. you, you, you uh, decide before the Lord if it's special. And if it is to you, fine, keep it. If it isn't, don't keep it. He seems to be saying that. In Colossians chapter 2, Therefore, don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festivals, a new moon, celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things that were to come. The reality is however found in Christ, and if Christ fulfills the Sabbath, then therefore uh, it's done and we don't have to keep it anymore. So that was the teaching. Except, what do you do with Jesus' words? that the Sabbath was made for man, man, not the Sabbath. And Moses' words, that God created the Sabbath before there was even sin. In paradise, we were expected to have one day rest. And then the creation of God, building in the Sabbath right into our What do you do with all that teaching? Well, it says there, the Sabbath was a shadow of things to come. And so the Sabbath represents two things in the scriptures. Number one, it represents a physical day where you physically rest for your well-being. But it also represents, there's a, it's, a, it's used also metaphorically, of rest with God. In other words, I strive because of my sin, and I feel the guilt of my sin and the weight of my sin, and I can't seem to get rid of it. And the more I try to keep it, 
his law and, and the more I sin against him and, and where will I get rest? Where can I cease? Only in Christ. And that's what Hebrews chapter four is talking about. There is a rest in Christ that is a spiritual rest that we now rest from our sin because Christ fulfilled and dealt with our sin at the cross. Hallelujah, we don't have to worry, we rest in Christ. But that doesn't change the actual physical Sabbath day that we are supposed to be taking as a design of our bodies and our creation for our well-being. Paul is not talking about getting rid of the Sabbath. He's talking about, remember, there's a bunch of Jews in the early church. It's all Jewish. And then they're, they're spreading out and Gentiles are coming in who didn't keep the Sabbath, didn't understand any of this stuff. And they weren't keeping the traditions that the Jews brought with them into Christianity. And the t there was tension among them. And Paul's like, look, don't worry about all those traditions. Just do before God what you believe to be right. But he wasn't saying, oh yeah, I'm canceling the Sabbath. Because the early church kept the Sabbath they changed it from Saturday to Sunday every week. Well, Paul was saying, yeah, get rid of the Sabbath. Why was it so important to gather, 1 Corinthians, at the first day of the week? Because he wasn't getting rid of the Sabbath. The teaching was, in Christ, we have rest, the ultimate rest. But while we're still on this earth, we need that weekly rest. My time is quickly closing. So just let me scroll through my sermon and get right down to the end. Oh, there we are. So what do you do with this? Um, Socrates was credited with saying, you've heard this before, the unexamined life is not worth living. Why do you keep doing what you're doing and doing and doing and doing? It could, you could be wasting your time. The Sabbath, guess what it's designed for? When you rest, you think. Think about your life. Think about your work. Think about your relationships. And you have the space to do that. Now, there are two guidelines. You want to get on this train of Sabbath. There's two tracks this train of Sabbath runs on. The first thing is that the Sabbath, that one day a week, is to first for God. It's to the Lord. It's for worship. The second one is... It's for rest. Now, what I find interesting is God doesn't identify. Okay, gardening, work. Pickleball, anytime. Like he doesn't do that. Because for you, gardening could be very restful. I don't garden on my Sabbath. It's not restful to me. It's just work. I got six other days for that. All God says is, devote that day to worshiping me and resting. Now go figure it out. Now here's what I would say as we're closing. Just a couple things I have learned about. And remember, I've, I've messed this up. Like, it's not like I'm the pro on Sabbath keeping here. It's kind of one broken sinner talking to that. By the way, you know, to sin and not obey God on the Sabbath is as bad as killing somebody. It's still sin. It doesn't have the same impact. But still sin. It's not like I'm an okay sinner. 
because I just only, you know, messed up on the Sabbath. But boy, you lied or you, you're, you killed somebody. You're really, really bad sinner. No, we're all sinners. To disobey God on something is sin. And so God has been speaking to me about this. I just, I just really struggle with this, this Sabbath thing because of, you know, it's, it's so loose. Just worship God and rest. So here are a couple things I found. Sunday's a great Sabbath day. First of all, because it's outlined in Scripture in the New Testament, that's when the church met. But if it's for worship, we're here every week. <laughs> we already, it's all prepared for you. The meal is here. Just come with a heart ready to hear from God. Don't just come. Come with a heart ready to hear from God. So it's great to have Sunday mornings. And some of you, you may need to go to your boss and say, look, I need, to, I need Sunday mornings off. Because, and they go, why? Don't tell them because your mother's in the hospital and you gotta go visit her. Tell them because I follow Christ and that's my time of worship. So can we work our schedule around so I can be there that day to worship? If possible, take the whole day. Worship. Go out and have a meal with some friends or family. Go sleep. I find sleep fairly restful. How about you? <laughs> Go for walks. Maybe as a family, you might want to watch a movie together. I don't know what it is that brings you rest. I guarantee you it's when you're with other people, and you're just having fun. Now, be careful if you try to start this, because for me, my Sabbath day became the day I caught up on everything I didn't fix in the first six days. Oh, I have some time. I got to cut the lawn. Oh, I got some time. I got to do the finances. Oh, I got some time. I've got to go grocery shopping. Now, and by the way, I'm going to be outside a grocery store at random every Sunday, taking down names of people going in. <laughs> Sometimes the ox falls into the well. That's what Jesus was talking about. And it's Sabbath. You've got to go rescue the ox. If you don't have food in your house, go to the grocery store. Don't feel bad about it. But are you trying before God to be worshiping him and resting? What's your plans for the day? Here's another thing I would say. Move some of that stuff out into the six days. You'll be shocked. You will have time. I'm going to share a story with you in a second and close. The other thing I'd say, beware of the screen. So Crystal said, you got to tell them this story because I want everybody to know how stupid you are. So I, was, I had tried to move my Sabbath to Fridays, or Saturdays, Fridays, Fridays. And um, you know what I did? My first few? Six hours of binge watching TV. Because I didn't have anything to do. Everybody was working, I had nobody around. So I thought, good, I'll... Do you know what I found? Six hours of binge watching TV isn't really that restful. In fact, TV does not give anything to you. It doesn't ask anything of you, but it doesn't give you anything. It doesn't rest your mind or your soul. We have these phones. I've gotten into the practice of shutting them off on my Sabbath day. Putting it away. 
It's so easy when you've when you got nothing to do. What do you do? Whoop, whoop, toot, 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 scroll, scroll, look, type, look. Get rid of your screen. If you, want, uh, you don't have to, that's your choice, but I guarantee you, if you are trying to te- have a Sabbath and rest, this will become your number one enemy. And this is not restful. In fact, totally non-Christians are doing studies saying, you gotta get rid of your phone once in a while. It's, you're, we're too much on it. They would be just some things I would say from what I found. So my, one of my first encounters... Crystal and I went to Dallas, Texas, where I was studying seminary. It was a four-year course, and I went in, and I really wanted to do well. And so I was studying and studying and studying and studying, and about, I think, about two or three months into it, Crystal said, Ed, I never see you. You're always studying. And I'm like, yeah, but I'm here. I want to do well. I want to get good marks. I want to make sure I learn. So when I go into ministry, I'm prepared. And she said, well, how about doing what the Bible says? Take a day of rest. Now, that was a faith step for me because I was so concerned the level required of study at Dallas Theological Seminary in their four-year master's program was intense. When I was learning Greek, I was learning Hebrew, I was learning prolegomena and bibliology, I don't even know what those two things mean, and I was learning them. And so I was studying and studying. To take a day off was huge because I was afraid I'd fall behind. But finally, she, Crystal convinced me. I think the Holy Spirit used Crystal to convince me. So I took the day off and put a barrier around it. And we start spending time with her. And, and I start spending time with her and other friends and stuff. And lo and behold, I had more energy for my studies. And I wasn't falling by behind, behind at all. In fact, it was going so well that I decided I wasn't going to study past 10 o'clock at night. Like if I didn't have it by 10 because I wasn't getting anything after 10. In fact, I probably wasn't getting anything after nine, but I pushed it to 10. I, people, (laughs) I had fun at seminary those years. I studied hard, I had fun. And after all of that studying, I graduated summa cum laude. I don't even know how I did it. The rest did not hurt me, it helped me because that's the way I'm designed. And the things you're afraid about in taking the, oh, I'll lose friends, uh, I'll fall behind in work, I, I, I won't get things done, I'll, 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 you know, I won't be able to keep up relations. The things you're afraid of, you just need to trust with God and obey him. And you will be shocked at how he'll bring strength and grace into your life and help you in the other six days with what you need to do. So, I want to end with this question. I want you to take it and ask yourself, why don't I practice Sabbath? Answer that question. No, 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 don't just... Whoa, 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 whoa. Take it with you. Let it be a burr under your saddle. And say, yeah, why don't I do what the Word of God tells me I should do? Why? Because until you understand why you don't do it, you're never going to be able to make a change. Let's pray. Today, Father, uh, this teaching on Sabbath is so life-giving. And uh, it's founded in the very creation. It's not something added to the law or started with the law of Moses. It was actually added before even sin came into this world that our pattern is work six, rest one. 
I confess to you that that has not been my practice, that I have disobeyed that and paid a price for it mentally and emotionally and physically and relationally with my family. I confess to you that we as a people ignore this way too much and we're the ones paying the price for it. I pray your spirit would work in our hearts and really challenge us with what you want us to learn and know. In Jesus' name, amen.